Hi, this is Lou. Before we get into the episode, a little heads up. The audio quality in this and the previous episode is not great. We had some issues with our very first recording session, but we resolved them and what you hear right now will eventually become the quality standard. So we ask you to please forgive us our growing pains and we hope you'll enjoy the episode anyway. So now have fun with our second episode. Welcome to Getting to Show You, a podcast where my friend Lou and I take turns introducing each other and you, the listeners, to media that we love. I'm Bald, and uh, this episode I have the pleasure of getting to show you Sense and Sensibility 1995. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I would like to hear from you. Um, what did you know before you started watching it? What were your expectations? All of that. So I hadn't, I still haven't uh, read the book. So I didn't like know what exactly the, it's going to be about. Uh, I just kind of have an idea of what Jane Austen stories and those, mm. you know, period pieces are um, usually about like probably about you know women during the time their struggles and falling in love like that's sort of what I expected maybe somebody mm. dying I wasn't sure sometimes <laughs> they die in these movies yeah. um, but I obviously because I had to watch the movie I, I knew um, the cast so I had really high expectations because those are all mm. just absolute A-list stars just the creme de la creme of English actors so I expected like a really rousing and engaging and incredible period piece with just incredible people doing just performing their hearts out <laughs> that's what I expected oh yeah I mean I guess <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty much the movie right <laughs> yeah that, I, I was not disappointed in those expectations mm -hmm. at all it was a very rousing and very incredible performances I love I love this movie so much. Um, so yeah, I picked it because it, during my I guess high school years, <laughs> yeah. um, I got really into Jane Austen. Um, that was the first time I watched and then immediately read Pride and Prejudice because that was what everybody watched and read at the time. It was around two thousand five when the Joe Wright movie um came out. And um, I got so into it that, I, of course, I wanted to watch um, other adaptations of other Jane Austen stories. I hadn't read Sense and Sensibility at the time, but I watched the movie. And I have to admit, I love it even more than Pride and Prejudice, both the book and uh, this particular movie. Um, and I think it's such a shame that people don't give this one as much attention as Pride and Prejudice, uh, because I think it absolutely deserves it. I think it's the superior story, but that's just me. Serving <laughs> 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 hot takes in our second episode already. <laughs> that's valid. Starring Jane Austen discourse. Um, no, I also very much love Pride and Prejudice, but uh, Sense and Sensibility is very close to my heart. And so I was was very excited um, that uh, you were going to watch it for the first time. I did. So, 
do you want to tell our audience what oh, yeah. this movie is about? <laughs> okay, I'll try to recap the story. So mm-hmm. this movie, it's like, okay, this is, you know, that typical you know, Regency era Jane Austen story. And it's about this family of um, four women. Uh, you have, um, or basically, well, it starts with the father of these women dying and telling uh, his eldest born son I suppose that he's mm. going to inherit everything and these women are barely going to get anything from the inheritance because that's how it works like mm. legally he can't give them any more and he's like please help them though like these these women have nothing now that I'm gonna die and they need your help and they're from two different like two different wives like the son is from one family and the daughters are a different family which I'm, I have questions about, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, so basically movies about how they are not being helped the way they're supposed to, and they have to, um, they struggle to, you know, uh, find a better place than they currently find themselves in by, you know, marrying up potentially, and they fall in love and, um, no, wait, two of them, the, the two eldest daughters um, have like all of these complicated love stories. Uh, mm. One of them falls in love with a really dashing rich man who then later turns out to have already been engaged for a long time. And then the other one also falls in love in a sort of similar situation. And that guy can also not marry her. And it's uh, there's a third guy. There's so <laughs> many dashing men in this movie. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I see why you picked it. Like it just kept bringing these men and these period clothing out and I was like god another one oh god <laughs> and so the eldest daughter falls in love with um the it's so complicated these families mm-hmm. with the middle son I think from the father's other family and the middle daughter falls in love with this kind of neighbor of theirs and the youngest daughter is only 13 she doesn't give a shit she's amazing though (laughs) (laughs) and there's this third guy who's also kind of a neighbor in the sense that you were a neighbor at the time who (laughs) falls in love with the middle daughter uh, but she's not interested at first because she already fell in love with the other guy and uh, it's just about you know these women trying to navigate their new poverty so to speak in this mm-hmm. cottage and you know realizing that men are trash maybe probably <laughs> <laughs> and in the end the eldest one does get the man she fell in love with the the, the sort of stepbrother I suppose it is <laughs> and the middle daughter does settle for the other guy uh, because the first guy she fell in love with is an absolute d- dickweed and in the end it they they end up fairly happy with their choices and <laughs> they found themselves despite um the bad situation they were in at the beginning they they find themselves happy and married off yeah <laughs> that was a bad that was a terrible summary but it's so complicated because yeah. i already didn't understand how this man because i initially thought that it was like he had a wife and she died and mm-hmm. then he married again and had these three mm-hmm. daughters. That's what I thought he meant when he was dying. But yeah. both wives are still alive. And I didn't know divorce was a thing at the time. So I was very confused about how this is happening. No, none of the wives are alive. They are at least not like a part. Like one, one of the wives is alive. Sorry. Like the first no, no, wife no. is the definitely dead. The mom of dead. the sisters is alive and the mom of the brothers is alive. They talk There's... about her all the time. 
no that the the main <laughs> the main complication here is that edward like the um two yeah. grand character is not the brother-in-law he's the brother of the wife of their brother so he's i guess what 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 would that make him like their family is still alive the like um the in-laws but john uh dashwood's uh mother isn't alive anymore no like she no, she isn't. I promise. Like this guy was married um to a woman, and uh, their son is John, like the one who inherits everything. Yeah, and, and they and his brother is Edward. No, he he's married to Fanny, and Fanny's brother is Edward, and Fanny's other brother is Robert, and their mother is still alive. But that's just the in-laws. So. That also means that uh, that Eleanor and Edward aren't related, like in blood. <laughs> which oh, yeah. I don't right. know why I didn't think of that first. <laughs> I just ex no. Yeah, no. They. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't. I yeah. I think that just kind of was at that like not that weird <laughs> at the time. I just assumed that maybe. But yeah, they have yeah. different names. They're the in-laws of yes those people. That makes sense. They yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I misunderstood that. It makes so much sense now that I look at it. <laughs> I, I yeah. don't know why I got but, that wrong. But like you said, the, the makes whole more family uh, like relations though. are very complicated. Everybody is somehow everybody's cousin. Because yeah. like Lucy Steele, a character who also shows up later in, and then who turns out to be um like um uh, the original uh yeah the uh, original fiance <laughs> to to edward she's also somehow someone's cousin so i'm not sure if she's related to eleanor because i thought uh, she was related to the uh very funny um new friends woman. they find um yeah. in this cottage the, who give them the cottage i thought yeah. she was related to them Yes, but uh, the one who owns the cottage, that's Sir John Barton. Exactly. Yeah, because that's, that's right. Barton Cottage. Um, and Sir John is the cousin of uh, Eleanor Marion's mother. So if... Uh, if oh, Mrs. I actually Steele didn't catch that part. I just assumed is, they were like, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're related. Um, that's uh, her cousin. Yeah, I'm gonna um, have to watch this but movie. I, <laughs> but I guess like Mrs. Jennings, who's also um in uh in Barton, um like living in Barton with Sir John, that's his his mother-in-law. Mother that I understood. And, I, and somehow Lucy Steele is related to her, and she calls her her cousin or something so yeah, okay but that's, that's like that, that's so distant already and like that has nothing yeah. to do with them anymore yes so i guess it, the whole movie gets a lot easier when you don't look too closely at who's related to whom <laughs> i mean to be fair i accepted a lot of wrong things just because it made it easier to follow the yeah story. <laughs> yes but yeah the first wife died um then he okay. married again and that makes so uh, much more sense from that marriage, um, Eleanor, Mary, and yeah. Margaret okay. uh, were born, and these women are left with nothing because yeah. they are women. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really like the way that these stories always are very clear and direct about sort of women. I mean, women of that class, their issues mm -hmm. at the time. 
while telling these very captivating love stories Mm -hmm. like you have this conf i mean sense of sensibility you know they have this conflict between like feeling and you know what's the best thing to do for your Mm -hmm. family because obviously you want to marry a man who has a lot because that way you can help your family you know Mm -hmm. rise above their station again Mm -hmm. but at the same time these women really want to marry someone they love because that's the romantic thing to do Mm -hmm. and it's every i just love the way the movie told this story yeah yeah and i especially love it because they address it that like their social standing is a part of why they're in this bad situation like eleanor says at one point that um she as a woman of her class is not allowed to earn her own money so she literally cannot work in any position and that's why she's absolutely reliant on the men in her life and that makes the whole marrying well make a lot more sense like in pride and prejudice you have this uh, mother who's obsessed with marrying her five daughters um into you know wealthy Mm. households and you don't really get why that's so important because yes of course they're they don't have the best social standing um but in this uh story it gets like in sense and sensibility it gets very clear why it's so important for the for these women to marry well it's not just about you know um advancing yourself socially it's really because they don't have any other way to act like to get access to money yeah and Uh, i love yeah i love uh, that social commentary also like the other way around that the men are expected to marry women who are already well off because it Mm. additionally helps like it was very well done um it's a good story obviously it's also this is a good story but uh (laughs) the the way they i mean i have not read the book but the movie did a really really good job at telling the story very Mm -hmm. captivatingly i was genuinely just i i was really involved like this was like watching an action thriller to me like oh my god what just happened like i loved it like uh-huh. these men and all of these twists and turns and like every guy is like a different sort of um archetype like you have yeah. Hugh Grant who's this sort of dorky lovable yeah. soft kind-hearted man who you just have to fall in love with the messy hair and then you have this uh, you have Mr. Willoughby who's mm-hmm. the very you know extroverted sort of romantic hero who ta- who like go- goes out riding on his horse and dashes away and you have Alan Rickman who's oh, sort of the yeah. tortured soul uh kind of man like you have <laughs> there is a guy for everyone in this movie I love that oh, yeah yes absolutely brilliant and uh i also think like it it has been a while um since i read the book i tried to read it uh, read it again in 2020 um during the lockdown because i got a full like a complete jane austen (laughs) volume uh and tried to read all of them and start with sense and sensibility but i didn't get very far at that time and i haven't read it since but yeah what i think is so um compelling about both her as an author and adaptations of her works as well is that she's so incredibly funny like she has such a great sense of humor and in a lot of um in a lot of adaptations that get like that gets lost and that's also why I love the new Emma movie because they get the comedy so right and I think this um sense and sensibility um also handles the comedy so well 
I took that as a note as well, that it was immediately mm. very funny. And that yeah. really struck me because I know that the books, that, that, that these books usually are also kind of like, they, yeah. they have a lot of humor in them, mm-hmm. but a lot of movies don't really commit to that because they're supposed to be very serious movies, like very, you know, period pieces. Yeah. But this movie really did an incredible period piece that is still very funny. Like mm-hmm. these jokes land. They did mm-hmm. a really good job at, you know, making it work even though we don't like we don't live in this sort of situation we don't live in this time anymore it might be very Mm -hmm. difficult to translate jokes well in a way that Mm -hmm. we still find them funny they nailed it it was so funny yeah and I like that the humor transports so much about the characters Mm -hmm. I love this entrance scene um of um John and Fanny in in their (laughs) carriage like immediately it's funny (laughs) yeah like John as their half brother um starts explaining that oh yeah they should be generous uh with like his half sisters um because they don't have anything and Fanny doesn't even say that much but you immediately see on her face that she doesn't want to give them anything she just wants all that inheritance to herself um and he just keeps negotiating himself down more and more and it describes these characters characters so well and it's also hilarious to watch especially considering that that's about a very tragic thing you know a father dying and uh like four women being left without a home and any money to rely on um yeah i love that it really made me laugh a lot they did a really good job yeah yeah and like the the humor is something that that gets across very well but also um that it's very feminist in like considering the time that jane austen wrote this in Mm. um and uh, then also the way it gets translated in this 90s movie um that they're not hiding that this is very much about the position of women in that time Mm. um like when Eleanor explains to her little sister Margaret uh, why their brother is now getting that house even though he already has another house um and um Eleanor says like right away it's because he's the son and the son is the one who inherits yeah and that gets picked up later again when when we first see Eleanor and Edward bond um and they both talk about their situations on how they're kind of unhappy with um their families and the life that has been chosen for them Mm. and I love that conversation so much because like he explains how he doesn't want to have this great big life as a military man or something that his mother wants for him and she explains back to him well she's also in this position because she has no choice in what to do with her life she cannot work she cannot like earn any money um and so all she can do to like advance her position is to marry yeah um and i like that we see that this is the reason why he's um a good pick or why he's a good man because he listens to her in that situation and doesn't try to um you know um belittle her experience as a a woman and I love how he then goes well then I guess our only option is piracy (laughs) yes like I love how they and it's just it's sometimes so difficult especially when you set them at the time to have um characters like fall in love in a way that you believe it 
because everything is very easy like it's very easy to make it all very superficial and you know meaningless but mm -hmm. these like I fully I was I've like the, they were in love like I could tell mm -hmm. like it was so well done yeah um, and then you know obviously it is revealed that um it that was such an like I genuinely didn't see that coming when when Lucy revealed that she's been engaged to him for five yeah. years I yes. lost my shit I absolutely lost it and yeah. like this because when she kept say like when she kept wanting to talk to her uh because um a very important person in their lives that mm -hmm. like, kept um telling her stories of her of mm -hmm. um uh Eleanor I was like, what is happening here? Is she like, like, how, how is this connected? Is she like, does she have a crush on this woman from the stories? Oh, like, yeah. what is happening? That's what I expected. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I've been engaged at her for five years. I was like, yeah. what? I was like, this man is worth shit. Like, he's been pretending this whole time. Well, he wasn't. But, um, no, like, I was yeah. fully anti-Edward for, for a while. <laughs> that I man, completely understand that. But, like, yeah. then you, like, you realize, oh, he tried to tell her that that was the situation. Like, it, it's just, it was very difficult because it is mm -hmm. a secret and he didn't know how to tell her and all of these mm. things and he even started the conversation but was interrupted and sent away like yeah you realize that you know he's just he's very bad at social situations yeah really. it's very charming and Hugh Grant does it so well I mean I am yeah. generally very obsessed with a young Hugh Grant yeah. in any, yeah. <laughs> any situation that's always a treat but the whole like bumbling, awkward demeanor that he has, he does it so Perfect. well in this in this like, part. They they because it, it's it's so well done because you fully are sold on this guy you fall in love with him immediately mm -hmm. the second he's on screen and he's like perfect like he understands these women he understands a little girl he can talk to her and play with mm -hmm. her like nobody managed to get through to her except for mm -hmm. this guy obviously and he's like so understanding and kind and polite mm -hmm. and then they hit you with this revelation where you're like yeah <laughs> what what a yes. piece of shit um Absolutely. it's so well done so mm -hmm. well done yeah uh, and I, I guess the same with Willoughby, too, because yeah. you get to know him as this dashing hero. Like, he saves Marianne from her, um, from her um, not broken ankle, but, you know, mm. she hurts her ankle. Mm. She she gets carried by him through the rain because yeah. he comes, like, uh, on his horse to save her. It's, he's such a storybook, like, yeah. knight in shining armor, and he's perfect in every way, and he's exactly what she has dreamed of. Um, and with both men, you just constantly wonder, well, what's wrong with them? There, there has got to be something wrong what's with wrong them. With They're them? just too good. Yeah. And in both cases, um, it's, like, it's very well done to, to show what is actually wrong with them, in a way. Yeah. I and mean, it's... Willoughby was, like, genuinely deeply wrong. Like, for Edward, it was just sort of a bad situation they found themselves in mm -hmm. where he didn't like he, he couldn't have known that he would fall in love so he yeah. you know got engaged to sort of this girl that you know he had a good time with at one point yeah. um but with Willoughby like they did they did it really well to sell him as like an absolute romantic hero but mm -hmm. that's kind of exactly the problem yeah <laughs> like he does this with all the women and that sort of mm -hmm. was his downfall in the end yeah, but I think it's beautiful that they also make a point to say, well, 
he did this with a lot of women, but he was actually genuinely in love with yeah. Marianne. Yeah, in the end, he and really regretted what he did. Yeah. He regrets it and he suffers, and it's yeah. But it feels good. <laughs> it it, it feels shit, a little bit good when you see him man. in the end on his horse all alone <laughs> and all of them celebrating. Watching the wedding from afar. It's so uh, funny. Yes, that is very good. Yeah, coming though. But yeah. then, like, Willoughby was like, obviously, uh, Marianne's like, like, she fell in love with him immediately. Mm-hmm. And the, there was there's this colonel who lives sort of next door. And I just cannot believe that that man is the second choice. Mm-hmm. Like, he is perfect. I mean, he is played by Alan Rickman. That's kind of, you know, they they made a choice there i think maybe the book mm-hmm. is a little different and like establishes him as like generally undesirable but the movie is like my god the man is devoted the man mm-hmm. is committed he is a tortured soul he's like the the original emo boy he is perfect <laughs> he loves music he loves playing sad music mm-hmm. i he has a sad history he used to be in love and his heart got broken by bad circumstance and he had no yeah. fault ever in anything bad that happened he's and i cannot believe that that man was like she settled for him yeah Unbelievable. absolutely i mean i guess yeah alan rickman is a choice <laughs> there but the point mostly is that he's not the image of marianne's ideal romantic yeah. hero from her stories i know because like he's not this this wild unruly dashing uh, young man i think that's one of the biggest parts of it that he's about yeah, he's 20 older, yeah. years older than her well, um so uh yeah i guess i guess that's the main thing there but absolutely casting alan rickman you know this man is uh, like, is a, yeah is a choice. they had this whole point about like how reading well is like really important yeah. to her and they cast Alan Rickman as like <laughs> the second choice of a man who's really good at reading to you. Hello? Yeah. Yes. The most famous smooth voice. Absolutely. And they were like, well, he's not quite as good as this other guy. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what yeah. universe? Uh-huh. And I guess I'm going to use this this moment to just very briefly I'm trying to keep myself like <laughs> within uh, the realm of uh logic and time uh, but I have this absolute obsession with Colonel Brandon yes, and this okay. complete conviction that this story in a either modern, modern or um, like a period retelling would be a thousand percent better if Colonel Brandon was a lesbian I just think that would make so much sense yeah it would make sense because it wouldn't be our first choice another one yeah, because <laughs> um, absolutely to me marianne is a is a closeted lipstick lesbian who doesn't know it yet um and oh who, that is who genius this, you know she has this the image of an ideal guy yeah it's absolute like compulsory heterosexuality she has this image of an ideal guy she thinks probably cannot exist because he's just too perfect and she imagines him in this way that he's a dashing story hero from you know all these tales that she loves to read and then along comes Willoughby and sweeps her off her feet and I guess she goes along with it because yes this is absolutely perfect in every way and she absolutely gets like swept up in it but um you know to have this I like I imagine this older butch um who 
who has so much love for young Marianne, her, this beautiful femme, and, you know, pines from afar, but never even tries to approach her. Like, Brandon is so convinced that he is not a choice at all for Marianne. He doesn't even try. Like, he comes and brings her a flower, but it's not to woo her. It's just to, you know, because she fell and her leg is broken, so he has to make a call. Um, but he is convinced from the beginning that, she, like, she would never, ever choose him and that she's better off not to. And just imagine that story. The same story, and Colonel Brandon is a lesbian. That is amazing. And that is, I mean, I think pretty accurate, to, like, mm -hmm. if you wanted to translate it um, in a yeah. way that's relevant today. Because mm -hmm. today you can't be like, oh, well, he's a little... Like, it's very uncomfortable to have mm -hmm. this story with, like, about what it is about, mm -hmm. um, if you wanted it in modern times. So this is a perfect way to translate sort of the um, core issue or the core mm. conflict here it's yeah genius absolutely i even once started writing uh you know rewriting sense and sensibility in the style of jane austen <laughs> with with brandon as a lesbian that was also during the pandemic like in 2020 um i want to read like that chapter or something <laughs> you we yeah. might not we might should not put that in the podcast because everyone's going to want to read that because that is incredible yeah maybe not there's nothing much to show i can send it to you but uh yeah i'm obsessed with that concept but yeah colonel brandon all the way absolute king mm -hmm. king king among men yeah. Literally, his life has sucked so hard. It's so sad. <laughs> like, his first love, like, what when he had to leave, she yeah. was, you know, left in this bad situation. He couldn't help her because he was forced, you know, to, because mm. of the war or whatever, uh, to leave. And she was left back um, in England and sort of really, she was really poor and she just struggled and became, I suppose, a prostitute and mm. got pregnant and it was just awful. And then he tried to help this child, this mm. daughter, and like he raised her like his own and everything. He helped her. He, he gave her everything she needed. And then the same thing happened to her. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, oh no, this mm. man has tried so hard to make these women happy and it just doesn't work for, out for him. Yeah. What, a, what a guy. And oh, I God. guess like this is also about class once again, yeah. like um, the, the way he's not allowed to marry that girl, like in my lesbian yeah. retelling, of course it would be because, you know, if you fall in love with, <laughs> with, uh, with another girl, you get sent away to military school or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, why not? Yeah, um, but in this case, he like he was not allowed to marry her because she was so far like below yeah. him in terms of class, um, and that was what created the whole issue. Um, and once again, created the whole issue with uh with that woman's uh daughter as well because once again, she is a woman in a society where women cannot have any jobs except I guess for sex work <laughs> um, and you know being a being a working class woman um, but uh, yeah if you are in a position where you're kind of from high society but you don't have any money or access to any um, you know do you have you don't have any way to advance yourself through marriage then what what else can you do I, I think that's very um, like this is a story even though it's just set 
in these higher class circles it's very much about class i mean yeah it always is yeah um mm. one thing i didn't understand is so edward got engaged to lucy in secret because she is also so far below his mm -hmm. standing and exactly that is the problem because mm -hmm. when his family finds out that they're engaged they immediately um disown him like he is poor yeah. now and then he tells lucy who has in the meantime fallen in love with his brother that she should just marry him instead because he still has the family money and i don't understand why the family doesn't mind this time that lucy is the wife like why was it a problem yeah. with edward but not with 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 robert at that part i didn't understand mm. why can't he marry her now why why could that um, work yeah Honestly, I'm not completely sure. I think that's, I, I thought about that again when I watched this movie now. Um, I think I have to read the book again if it maybe gets explained there. I think maybe it's because Robert's the younger brother uh, and Edward's the older. I figured it might be something about that. Like yeah. uh, the one in line has mm -hmm. to, you know, keep the inheritance safe or yeah. something. And also maybe because of the whole secrecy, like Ed Edward mm -hmm. uh, and Lucy keeping it secret for so long, but maybe Robert being very straightforward with his family about his feelings. I don't know. Maybe that's also part of it. It, it just confused me, the reveal, yeah. because I expected like some fascinating re revelation that it was just, yeah, my brother married, it married her because mm -hmm. I couldn't because I'm poor now because I wanted to marry her. What? what? <laughs> yeah, well, so I guess you know i guess lucy um is kind of sidelined in that moment uh, where like it's kind of implied that she loved edward also because he's like because he's rich and inheriting and of course she gets into um his brother as well like uh, they they uh, get to know each other at that ball and uh, she's immediately very you know <laughs> yeah they, they uh, did a really good job at like hinting yeah. at lucy and robert being a much better match because they're very yeah. they're very similar like they immediately mm -hmm. like they gossip and they talk very um mm -hmm. animated and it's very cute yeah um and so i guess uh, maybe it is like in some part about the money but maybe it is also like about character and um we don't really um find out if robert gets to keep the money i think in the movie we just know that these two are married now well it, edward does say something about telling lucy she should marry his brother because he's very poor now and he can't help her out anymore and I think it would be says... better if she really went with the guy she fell in love with now and mm -hmm. not just with him just because it was promised um mm. so I, I, it, there's yeah, an implication that robert is not also poor now because mm -hmm. he married Lucy. <laughs> i i thought he was more like saying um something about how you know because of his change of situation it's not for, fair to her to like keep her bound to this promise but he's not saying exactly mm. well you have to marry Robert now. No, um, no, he didn't force her anything. Yeah. He was just like, if you want to, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> oh. but he, he's he. It's just I like this um, that like that he gets introduced as this character who is very true to his word that he would never mm. go back on his word once given. Um, and when Fanny says that um, to Eleanor and Marianne's mother, we don't know yet that that's already the case and that's already a problem. We, we just think it might get one uh, if he, 
proposes to Eleanor um, because then he cannot go back on it, even if that means he will lose all his money. Yeah. Um, but like to him, we know from the beginning that money is not very uh, like not a big issue for like him or not issue, but um, it's not his main goal. Like yeah. Willoughby's, for example. He, he wants uh, he to become wants, a man of the church. <laughs> yeah, he cute. wants a quiet, simple life anyway. And of course, it's difficult also for a man in his position to to pursue something that's not um, seen as valuable in these high societies. Um, because we see how easily um, as an heir of even big and like big family money, you can lose that. Um, because it happens to both him and Willoughby. I mean, I do respect the equality there. Like, listen, sir, if you don't do what we say, you don't get what you were promised. Same with women. If you don't do what we say, you don't get what you were promised. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, I mean, with with the men, it's more like consequences uh, consequences of their actions. With these women, they really True. did nothing yeah, they to deserve the situation no. they're in. It's just because there was one very horrible woman, Fanny, um, who decided that she deserves this money more than them, and they don't even need She's, it. So. She was such a funny role. Uh, I love her. I love both her and also um, the Mrs. Jennings' daughter, um, uh, who's played by Imelda Staunton. Love her. Her and Hugh Laurie, this this absolute straight couple, like they are they are the straight couple. They were so funny. <laughs> they bring such a fun energy to this whole thing. And also, like I I I mentioned them before, but uh, Sir, wait, what was the name, Sir John? Yes. Yeah. And his mother-in-law, they are so fun like their laughter yeah. is super infectious they mm -hmm. had a good time every time they were on screen they were yeah. perfect because there was nothing like wrong with them they're just mm -hmm. country i suppose in this yeah. world and that's sort of mm -hmm. their why they're so weird to everyone but mm -hmm. they're just so fun i love them yeah it's um you know, we see them gossip a lot, and we also see Lucy and Robert gossip a lot. Um, but the gossip feels different; like it feels way more malicious um, <laughs> the way the Robert and Lucy do it. Um, Mrs. Jennings and Sir John they just do it to tease Eleanor, and they think it's in good fun, and they don't realize yeah. how uncomfortable it makes uh, Eleanor because Eleanor, of course, is too polite to say anything. But I guess Mrs. Jennings and Sir John are both very autistic and very bad at reading the room, <laughs> and so they. I mean, to yeah. them, these people are like these stuck-up sort yeah. of types. Like they just want to help loosen them up because they yes. live in the cottage now and they gotta, you know, adapt. But yeah. it's just, God, they're so funny. I love them mm -hmm. so much because I really thought, oh, I hope there's no big twist that they're like secretly super mm -hmm. evil or something. No, no they were just great. really well-meaning older people yeah. who are super fun to hang out with. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's also like, I love, I think this is one of the great things about this movie, how well it does, period. Because it both shows like this very um highbrow cultured side um of it but it also just shows how lively that time was like i love the ball or that like that party scene it feels so much like an actual party the ballroom dances 
like I'm not sure how accurate um the dances are for that time for London because like I know a little bit about dance, not too much. I don't want to call myself an expert. Probably experts are out there and could call me out for what I'm saying right now. But it like it it feels more like a country dance to me um than uh high society london dance because like they they jump around it feels a little bit silly mm. and awkward <laughs> and that's not usually how in period dramas for you know classic ballroom scenes um dances get choreographed and i love that it's just very yeah. much very much said here I... that this is a, a party this is there's life in there and yeah it's great they really did such a good job at showing like people of the past were also human beings mm -hmm. like we are there just as much people as we are today just yeah. by different you know societal rules like mm -hmm. they did such a good job at showing exactly the feelings and experiences we have today but as they happened at this time it was also like seeing the uh the little the, the youngest daughter just mm. run around and play like a child yeah. like at any child would and being mm. you know pouty and hiding and the way they dealt with it like well you know she's just lost her father like mm -hmm. they they didn't know how to fit this the, the this child into sort of their society because children don't adhere to rules that well mm -hmm. but they were still children even back then mm -hmm. and it was just sort of accepted and like brushed off as ah you know she's hmm, mm -hmm. hard to deal with right now but she was just being a little girl and it yeah. was so well done like she has she always has these tree houses and stuff like mm -hmm. children today still have tree houses and it's yeah. they did, and like she pokes around in the mud and everything and mm -hmm. runs around fake play fighting and it's just so delightful how this movie that yeah. really human beings mm. I, I think um, it's implied, especially through Margaret, that they had a very easy life before mm. um, their father died. Um, like they didn't have to care too much about societal rules and what like what's prim and proper yeah. because they didn't have like they weren't in that position of um, well we have to be very adherent to these rules because we have to marry well and all that that's something that we get in Pride and Prejudice that all these like girls get raised in a way that well how um, are they going to appeal to men I mean they also have this mother who doesn't know the rules very well or is just very improper as well um, but yeah they seem to not have like this mindset yeah. of you have to marry well um, like taught to you very early on because they always lived a well life um, yeah, I, I and was, they just get thrown into that situation. I, I was gonna say, like the the youngest daughter really struck me as like you know this is this little girl that was raised with you know three other women. Like she mm -hmm. really hasn't known sort of this very posh and very strict life because they they have a very chill life and it's just these mm. women who live together and can kind of do what they want yeah. and nobody really bothered really trying to raise her right because mm. it was all fine anyway mm. and I, the, the way that it clashes then with the people who very much care about these rules and very much live in a world where mm -hmm. these rules are important it's just delightful yeah i love it I just in generally like uh, just in general I love um how all these characters have a past. It's not just the story begins and suddenly they're there. But mm. Every single one of them has 
um, a past that still has implications for their life now, especially the men like Willoughby yeah. and what he did in the past very heavily influences, you know, his actions in the future. And uh, Edward and the promise that he made five years ago, um, as well as, you know, the whole tragic backstory of Colonel Brandon, um, all of them come into this story already with a huge history. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, I love how all of that impacts uh, and influences uh, these, like, these characters and their relationships. Also, I just, I know that it, I know that it's like this because of how the story is, but the fact that they moved into this, the most beautiful cottage I have ever seen, and that I would like die to be, to live in with the most amazing view of the countryside, like right by the water mm -hmm. and everything. And they're like, well, this sucks. Mm -hmm. I, I know it's, I mean, I know what the story is trying to say here, but mm -hmm. it was so wild watching them like hate this house while I'm like, God, this is the most beautiful little cottage mm -hmm. I have ever seen. Yeah, I guess it's more about what it stands for yeah. and what they lost. Because, <laughs> yeah, well, we see the house yeah. move from into this one. But I think the cottage is so interesting because how the different characters talk about it characterizes so much um, how, like, what their understanding of these women's situation is. Like, the way Willoughby absolutely uh, romanticizes it and goes like, oh, I would, like, tear down my own house and rebuild it into this cottage, like, stone for stone. Uh, because I just love a cottage so much and you know it's just so much better than a big castle and then he ends up um, mm. abandoning this woman with this cottage because he cannot leave this like world of wealth um, and money behind and uh, the way that you know um, Fanny or her brother Robert uh, go oh yeah a cottage that's so cute and mm -hmm. you know charming I I would love like I think Robert at one point says oh yeah if I had any money to spare I would build a cottage like that um it's like absurd because he probably has a huge uh huge mansion or something already and Fanny as well like um she talks about this cottage and how it must be so wonderful and at the same time um, she's um, inheriting this house from John's father when we know he already has a house and they also talk about um, in one scene buying uh, the adjacent you know um, yeah. country as well <laughs> just just they they, they um, buy so much um, it, it, they just have so much uh, in terms of land and they keep romanticizing that little cottage um, because, yeah, it is very nice. But if it's the only thing you have and it's a situation you're forced into, for them, it's suddenly not that nice. They could have made it less appealing, though. <laughs> yeah, of course they could have. I mean, you see that the, the fireplace like, so cute. Cook, uh, is uh, putting out a lot of smoke, but that's the only thing that's not that appealing. I, I for sure thought that Marianne was going to die. Like mm -hmm. I fully, I was prepared for someone to die and then she actually got super sick and they were like, you mm -hmm. should probably prepare for her to die. And I was like, I am prepared for her to die. <laughs> and she didn't, miraculously. Yeah. Uh, that surprise, like that was actually a genuine surprise and sort of a pleasant mm -hmm. surprise because uh, the movie, I mean, the story in general could have been like much more depressing mm -hmm. about like the situation at the time. 
-hmm. I was like, I was already fully like, I'm so grateful for modern medicine that you don't just die from like an infectious <laughs> fever. Yeah. Anymore. Like uh, she, she probably just had a cold with a fever mm -hmm. and almost died from it. Yeah. And I was, uh, but she survived and she mm -hmm. found love somehow in the one man who literally was so devoted to her. He would probably um, die for her if she asked. Um, oh yeah, he absolutely <laughs> would. Uh, like but she survived to marry him, yeah. and she seemed happy in the end. Yeah, I I love um how what brings her back is the love of her sister and like her yeah. sister at her bedside finally breaking down because like the sense and sensibility of the title that's always said that you know the sense that's what Eleanor is all about and the sensibility that's mm -hmm. Marianne's character and they both need to learn the that there's also value in the other part and that you need to have both like at, at some points in the movie both Marianne and Eleanor frustrate me so much because if they just were a little bit more sensible or just a little bit more feeling um they could solve their problems much more easily like yeah. if Eleanor at some point would have made it more clear to Edward that she's really much in love with him or if uh if uh, Marianne had you know just for a moment thought about if it's smart to just fully throw herself at a man who like she doesn't really know at that would have solved their problems very easily and in the end um that's where they both get to um through that sickness i think yeah um that one gets a little more feeling and one gets a little more sensible um God, and i just performance love that by emma thompson though yeah holy it's, shit it's god incredible. absolutely owning that screen like she absolutely mm -hmm. captivated me endlessly always does oh, yeah she's so good everyone in this movie like this whole entire cast it's not just that they're all like immediate, like they're such stars they're all so well casted and so yeah. great in their parts and i also just love because i was just talking about the sisters like especially eleanor and marianne um how much sibling energy they have <laughs> yeah. and this is a story from so long ago and yeah. still it's one of the most accurate descriptions of how siblings are actually yeah. like you know um marianne complaining about eleanor's cold feet and then both <laughs> teasing each other about their crushes and uh you know gossiping among the sisters but um yeah. as, as soon as somebody else is like gossiping and teasing it's not cool anymore and you have to stand up for your sister i love that so much they're yeah, so great together that is i mean the movie is really like like i said they did a really good job at making something that seems so far away from our life super engaging and relatable mm -hmm. like it's yeah. incredible yeah i think that's also the director of this movie is ang lee uh, who's yeah. also the, the director of brockback mountain and i watched this movie not too long after i first watched brockback mountain so in my head they're very much linked and i think both of these movies do that so well the whole humanity of it that a story mm -hmm. who can be like very far away from you like in terms of time or like life experience they get like angley gets that so close to you and tells you why this should matter to you personally and i love that yeah i mean he's angley is incredible it's, yeah. it it really the movie like 
it's also in the little things just from the way it's filmed and directed like the mm -hmm. the way that every time someone enters the room everyone has to stop and like go like mm -hmm. the way that was emphasized every time mm -hmm. in a way that's like kind of entertaining even it was yeah. so well done it's such a little detail but it was very fun every time mm -hmm. to watch because it like suddenly for one second this all of this humanity is taken away from them because they have mm -hmm. to adhere to these rules that someone yeah. made up and then they're right back to being these normal messy people that they are mm -hmm. so good yes like every time you know they the the women the women hear that somebody's coming to the cottage they immediately yeah take off their work work clothes and uh just you know pretend that they've been doing something proper and womanly like yeah. cross-stitching yeah um it's, it's yeah. so well done the directing uh -huh. incredible it really did a lot for characterizing these, these yeah women yes i love that so much and i one other thing i think brokeback mountain and this movie have in common is how good they are at portraying like yearning and aching yes because ah oh, that's yes. something that captures me in this movie every time and they do it in so many different ways like colonel brandon of course is a like a great example of somebody who's just so full of yearning for mm -hmm. something that he absolutely even denies himself like he thinks he's not worthy of it um but also eleanor um who is so like she's holding like everything together so well and at some point you realize oh she's always very close to breaking down yeah. like this moment where she um talks to marianne and explains how she um if she had been able to talk to her about this uh, engagement between lucy and edward Mm -hmm. She says something like, I could have uh, produced evidence of my heartbreak that would e even be satisfying for you, something like that. Yeah. And oh, the performance is so great. I, Emma Thompson is so great in that moment um, that you absolutely see that she's barely, like, she this whole time, she barely kept it together. Yeah. It really um, is so good. Yeah. I can't wait to rewatch it. Because, like, for every stage of this movie is perfectly executed the writing mm -hmm. the directing the acting mm -hmm. the deliveries and the costume and hair is incredible yeah. because it's both like super obviously of the time but still mm -hmm. communicating things we understand today mm -hmm. it, the, the balance is incredible there that they found yeah for, the, for costume and hair and it, the, the the editing like everything in this movie works together it's like a perfect mm -hmm. movie basically absolutely I, it's it is a masterpiece to me um yeah and the music as well like yeah. the music and that so much of it is um like music that's part of the movie that mm -hmm. marianne plays at the piano um and that kind of you know um translates into the other scenes as well it's mostly this beautiful mournful piano music um that yeah. like carries this whole movie and binds it together I love it very much. Really incredible masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And underrated. I also think I enjoyed it more than Pride Prejudice. Nice. Okay. That makes me very happy. But and I also have, I watched Pride Prejudice <laughs> so long ago, I would have to rewatch it. But I think I enjoyed this. I mean, I don't know what it is, but there is, it's, there's a quirk, there's a quirkiness mm -hmm. to this movie that I really enjoyed, that really spoke yeah. to me. 
I mean, like there for Pride and Prejudice, there's also you know this whole debate of uh, which one is better, the 2005 one, the mm. 1990. Is it also 1995? Actually, it's from the know. 90s, the Colin Firth one. Yeah. Um, and I love both of these very much uh, for different reasons. Um, but yeah, this this sense and sensibility is my favorite Jane Austen adaptation. Understandable. Yeah. I think I mean in a way that was more sort of my verdict of the movie it is a perfect mm -hmm. masterpiece where every step of the way <laughs> they made only right choices um oh. without knowing the book I mean I don't know maybe people who are very passionate about the book have other opinions but mm -hmm. for me who just watched it as a movie um mm -hmm. it really delivered an incredible two hours of entertainment that I yeah. honestly wasn't sure like if I should expect it because mm -hmm. sometimes like I said these period pieces can get very overly serious yeah but I I was hopeful because I know that these books usually are re really entertaining mm -hmm. uh, just didn't know the specific one and mm. yeah absolutely delivered everything and more um, yeah Oh, I'm very happy that you liked it because it is very long and it is, I, uh, you know, kind of complicated with this, the whole that, character cast. It's a thrilling that. thing. I mean, all of these twists and turns and everything. I understand why you picked it. Mm. It's absolutely incredible. I totally get it. Uh, I love that. That's great. I mean, thank you so much for introducing me to this beautiful masterpiece i hope everybody goes and watches this movie now because mm. truly i i uh, amazing just amazing thank you um but i i do think that this brings us to the end of this yeah. episode it was wonderful already just i am so thrilled to be doing this podcast um but for now we want to thank uh mikana salome on tumblr for our beautiful cover art it's uh, as always amazing and we want to thank you for listening for tuning in uh thank you so much and if you want to talk to us if you have any questions or just want to have a chat um you can still contact us at crimcast at gmail.com or you can find us on tumblr at gtsypodcast.tumblr.com the only thing left to say is somebody with the power to do it please make lesbian colonel brandon real <laughs> yeah i think it's gonna be us <laughs> yeah okay um, goodbye bye <laughs>